well, we want to thank you for coming this morning. Um, I wasn't sure exactly, you know, what kind of or how many people would actually be out here. I figured we'd have two types of cr- uh, people here this morning, mostly those who didn't see midnight last night. And basically, you fell asleep, didn't see the ball drop, and this is like no other Sunday for you. Just, you know, you came in. Um, and then there are the, the other group of you who you were on your way back from your party last night and decided to swing in, you know. So um, for that latter group, the uh, elders will be up front taking confessions after service. So, <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Um, so this morning, we are going to, if I don't drop this... Um, be taking a look. I figure, you know, it's the beginning of a new year. Um, we're coming out of a very busy holiday season, and I thought this morning would be a great opportunity to kind of take a moment to catch our breath and take a look at the reason why we do what we do. Um, we had a very, as Scott was up here and highlighted as a church, we did a a lot of things around the holiday season. Um, I know personally, uh, my family was extremely busy talking with a lot of uh, your families. You guys were, you know, December's just a crazy month. So I thought this morning would be a great opportunity just to kind of hit the pause button, take a look at some scripture that kind of makes us remember why we do what we do. But before we jump in, let me um, pray, and then we're going to take a look at a quick video. Heavenly Father, we just um, we thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for the, for the new year, a new beginning of sorts. Lord, we're halfway through a ministry year. And so, Lord, I just, uh, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to gather, for it is a privilege to come before you. And so we just commit the rest of this morning to you in your name. That takes care of the back of the house. You want to you wanna go around and take the lights off the front? Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, hey, by the way, thank you. If it wasn't for you, I don't know who'd get on that roof. You are awesome. Yeah. He's uh, at the house you were talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. They leave their lights up all year round. They leave their lights on all year long. Check it out. So they leave their lights on all year long? All year long. And those bulbs change according to whatever holiday season it is. Get out. Can't wish I could. So like July 4th, those bulbs come red, white, and blue. Thanksgiving. Harvest colors. Halloween. Black and orange. Memorial Day. Camouflage. Get out. Can't wish I could. I I bet it's embarrassing for the neighbors. Oh, the neighbors. We're totally embarrassed. We complain about it all the time. Oh, and when there is no holiday season going on, those bowls become little red hot chili pepper lights. What? Yep. Give me one good reason why you should celebrate the pepper. Can't wish I could. It's like your neighbors are Motel 6. My wife, she's always saying, let's just leave the lights on just a little bit longer. Let's just stay in the spirit of things. But when Christmas is over, you take down the lights. Am I right? I don't know. I'm not even the right guy to ask. I don't even put lights on my house. Why don't you put lights on your house? I'm afraid of heights. But the question is, why do you put lights on your house? To celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, all that kind of stuff. There you go. That's your answer. What? If you don't want to celebrate Christ all year long, then take the lights down. That's not what I was saying. You're putting words in my mouth. You're siding with my wife. Hey, hey, I'm not siding with anyone. I'm, and I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you and God were, uh, you know, 
On the outs? Yeah. We're not on the outs. Me and God, we're very tight. We're very, very tight. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Prove it. Prove what? Are you daring me to leave my lights on all your lungs? Hey, no dare here. I'm just saying, you gonna let your little light shine? Wait. Man the letter, my friend. What? Man that ladder. We're gonna get back up there and hang these lights. No, no, no. Oh, I was just kidding. Oh, yes. It is gonna be a proclamation of my faith. Didn't you hear? I I'm afraid of heights. You're already up there. <laughs> honey, honey, get the apple cider ready. Put on the Perry Como records. These lights are gonna shine. <laughs> get back here. These lights have to shine. Ah, oh, and I just took down my lights yesterday. <laughs> Such a nice day out there, I just might have to. Um, you know, as, as I look at that video, it, it, it's interesting because the purpose of light is actually to illuminate. It's, it's to display whatever it is that it's shining on. And as we do start a, a new year calendar-wise, but we kind of get halfway through a ministry year, I kind of thought, you know what? A good reminder for us to kind of say, hey, what is it that our light as a church is supposed to be shining on? What is it that our individual lives are supposed to be shining on? And so I said, you know what? We're... A lot of different places you could go with the, with this, but if you would, if you have your Bibles, open up to Revelations chapter 1. And what you get is the author, John, who um, was a disciple of Jesus, one of Jesus' favorites. Yes, Jesus had favorites. And he's there's been immense persecution. It's toward the end of the first century. And he's been cast out to the island of Patmos. And we pick up in verse 9. And it says, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and the kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. And so there he is. He's on this island. He's by himself because he's, you know, first century, there's a lot of persecution going on, and the emperors wanted to be worshipped like a god. And the Christians that didn't, the Christians that refused, the Christians that said, you know what, no, we're not going to worship you like a god. We have our god. We have our Christ. He's risen from the dead. They get, They get persecuted big time. So John's out there and all of a sudden he hears this, this voice that says, write down what you are about to see. Write it to the seven churches. And, and here's what he says. Pick up verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. 
His feet were like burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters. His right hand held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. I am the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. Therefore, write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the churches. Or I'm sorry, the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. John gives us this perfect metaphor of what the church is, is, is supposed to be. A perfect metaphor, in a sense, of what we are to be as individuals and then collectively as a church. But to fully grasp what we, what we, just, what we just heard here, what we just read, you would have to go to Exodus 25, which if you have time later on this morning and, or, or later on in the week, I encourage you to go there because there is an amazing detailed description of the tabernacle and, and of the lampstand. And everything that is in it. You had the outer courts, you had the sanctuary where the lampstand was, and the showbread, and, and, here, and here's the importance of it. The showbread, which was in the tabernacle, which is in the sanctuary, was the representation of God's presence, was the representation of God's provision for the people. And it was, in a sense, a foreshadowing of what was to come. It was a foreshadowing of Christ, who is the bread of life. Well, the lampstands, which were 85 pounds of gold, so they weren't like light things, sat strategically right next to the showbread. Because, see, the tabernacle had no natural light to it. This was the only light in the entire place. But it was placed strategically, on purpose, in this place right next to the bread. Because it had a purpose. It had a focus that it was to illuminate the bread, the showbread, God's presence and God's provision. Take a look at the church and Jesus Christ today. If we were to simplify what we're supposed to be about, I mean, right down to its very core, individually and collectively, we are to shine our lights, not the ones that we put on our house, but our light of our life and, and what we do as a collective body. We're to illuminate God's presence and God's provision, and that is Jesus Christ. And so if we step back and think, you know what, we're, we're part of a God's divine strategy, if you will. He's saying, you know what, beyond the, beyond the cross, there's one plan that God had to illuminate. There's one plan, that lampstand is the church. It's the church. And so as we, as we look, you sit there and say, okay, well, you know, if we're to be the light, if we're to be, you know, shining bright and showing the, a dark, lost world, the presence and the provision of God, which is Jesus Christ, then anything else 
pales in comparison. Because see, here's the one thing. If you walk out this morning and, and you don't get anything, get this one thing. The church's purpose isn't to illuminate everything. It's to illuminate one thing. It is not our purpose to illuminate everything. It's to illuminate one thing. And so when we think about light and we talk about light, and we think about the potential that we have as individuals, and we think about the potential we have as a church. Think about it. light. It's inviting, right? Leave the porch light on. When, when I was growing up at home and, and, and we would all be out, my brothers and sisters, my parents would leave the light on for us for when we would come home, last person in, turn the light out. Sometimes my brothers and sisters thought they were funny, and they were turning it out when they knew I was still out. <clears throat> I was really loved. <sighs> Counseling has helped. Um, I think um, it's light is warm it's healing um, it's comforting think about when you come in out of a cold winter night or just on a cold winter day what's one of the first things you do if there's a nice fire going you, you, know, you walk right over to that fire and you want to get warmed up and you, you want to feel that comfort and you want to feel that, that healing light gives direction. It gives hope. The problem is we tend to drift. We tend to get distracted. And that's exactly what we find in Revelation chapter 2. We keep going. Verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. The Holy One holds the seven stars in his right hand. And the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds, I know your toils and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. You put the, you put to, excuse me, you put to test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have persevered, and you've endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. He's saying here that, that you know what? I see all that you did. I've seen all the things that you've done. I've seen your deeds. I've seen your toils. I've seen the amount of money you've given to, to, to dig wells. I've seen the amount that you've ministered to the poor. I saw the amount of people that went down to Market Street Mission over Thanksgiving to help serve the needy. I've seen all the things you've done. I've seen the people that you've made sure that they had the right doctrine before they were you know, teaching and preaching and doing all that stuff. I've seen what you've done. I've seen it all. Verse 4 starts with a stinging word. But, but, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. See, when we read back in chapter 1, he was talking about the seven golden lampstands. They're not off doing their own thing. They're not off shining on different areas. They got him right in the middle. 
Jesus is right in the middle of all those lampstands, and they are focused. They're like, you know what? Our light is all about Jesus Christ. And he's walking amongst them. And what happens is we have a tendency to get distracted. We have a tendency to drift. And he's saying, you know what? Wonderful things. All these things you guys do. But hey, wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Hold on a second. You can do all those things. I get it. Wonderful. Great. Cheer you. I'll clap you. But if you're not doing them for the love of me, I don't care. I'm not concerned about those things. I'm concerned first and foremost with the fact that do you love me? Is your focus, is your light, is your purpose, have you lost it or are you still there with me? Have you drifted? Or have you become so distracted that we start doing things because it makes us feel good and we forget that we should be doing these things first and foremost because we love him. Collectively as a church, even more importantly as individuals. Modern day examples um, of distractions. Modern day examples, maybe. Uh, I can think of three. Number one, what they call the 4-H club. All right, to kind of put this in better perspective, 4-H club. Hollywood, homosexuality, Halloween, Harry Potter. Okay? I don't think... I don't think, and I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily a betting man, but I'm willing to go to Vegas with this, that God's not up in heaven going, oh, oh no, oh man, they came out with another Harry Potter movie? Oh, what am I going to do? No, no, see, we, 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 when we start worrying about that, and i got to be careful that my light doesn't go out, um, and we start moving and we start going near the 4-H club, God's not worried that another Harry Potter movie came out. He's asking... Who moved the lampstand? Or, wait, here's another one. Um, very explosive, very volatile, so I'll be very careful. Uh, politics. Politics. We, we, we've moved it very far. And here's what I'm going to say. Make sure you hear this. Should Christians be involved in politics? Absolutely. But God is not a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent, or a Tea Party person. He's none of those. Because, see, God's not worried about and not concerned about setting up an earthly kingdom. He's worried about and concerned about setting up the kingdom of God in the hearts of men and women. And we've moved it. Oh, here's another one. This one I struggled with because it gets a little personal. We've moved the lampstand away from its purpose and started to shine it on the church. We start shining it on us. When we start saying things like, my light's shinier than yours, or my light's bigger than yours, my light's better than yours. Come on, we say that. It's the first thing that we do when we talk to people from other churches. You know, how big are you? AKA, how bright's your light? And we start shining it on us, and then what winds up happening is we even do it inside our church. We even start doing it inside our church when we start to elevate our programs to a place that we've taken that light and we've started to shine it on our programs. 
love your church. Absolutely love your church. Love it, love it, love it. Love that you're here, but don't deify it. Love your church, but don't deify it. Don't move the lamp. Because churches, individuals, we're not called to illuminate everything. We're called to illuminate one thing. And as we illuminate that one thing, let it penetrate the other things. But never, ever, ever move it. Because here's the warning that we get. Verse 5. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent. And do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. He's got no he's got no trouble. If you take and we take our lampstand and and we move it and it's gone and, and we don't we don't stop and we don't realize that you know what oh man we're we're over here and 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 you know what the the the, the Jesus and the bread is over there and we're not illuminating that anymore. And we don't realize that and we don't stop and step back and say, hey, you know what? We better get our light back where it belongs, shining on the one who died on the cross for us. You know, one of the things I I, I Twittered this morning was, you know what? This year, don't worry about resolutions. Focus on the resurrection. That will change your life. And when we focus on the resurrection and not resolutions and we keep this light right where it belongs, shining on the bread... You know what winds up happening? We don't need to worry about politics. We don't need to worry about um, Hollywood. We don't need to worry about all that other stuff. Because when we sit there and we shine a light on Jesus Christ, it becomes inviting, comforting, healing, welcoming. It becomes a place where people can find hope and gives direction for their lives. Why wouldn't you want to come there? But sometimes we kind of go, is it enough? Yeah, you better believe it is. We need to believe it is. And we need to be that. So what does that mean? The implications of this? We stop and we step back. I I toyed around with a bunch of different things on this. What does that mean? What's all this mean for us? How does this translate from you sitting here on a Sunday morning, January 1st, hearing me say, don't move the lampstand. Let's keep it shining nice and bright where it belongs, where it's purposed. To this, whether it's the workplace, whether it's your campus, your school, wherever life is, and I say this to the students every, every week, almost every week. That life takes us in all different directions. And God does that purposely. Because as we have the light of him shining in us, he allows that light. As we shine the light on him in the way that we live our lives, it will naturally illuminate into the darkness. It will naturally illuminate into the places that we go, your office, your schools, your families. 
And people are going to look at the light that is coming out of you because you know what? You're letting your light shine on Jesus Christ and they don't see you. They see him. And they go, I, I need that. I'm lost and I need direction. I need hope. Man, that person is just so welcoming. Why? What is it about them? You said it, you, I said it last time I was up here. There are 10,000 high school students in our area. Man, so many of them, so many of them don't, need, don't know Jesus Christ. And I'm constantly saying to these guys, man, be that light. I say to you, be that light wherever light is taking you. Probably the one group of people I really want to pick on right now. Parents. Parents. The one place we can never fail to shine our light is in our home. We fail in the home. I don't care where you're taking your light. It doesn't matter. Mom. Dad, I don't care if, you're, if, you're, if your son or daughter is 18, off to college. I don't care if they're two years old. I got an instant party in my house every day we wake up with those three little ones. you got to let your light shine before them. It's never too late because they're always watching. They're always watching. They always want to see what mom and dad are doing. you got to let your light shine in your home. And your home's got to be that one place where they feel warm, comfort, invited, and it's that safe place. Man, if we do nothing else, can we please recapture the home? Can we please recapture our families and make them number one? Make that the place that we shine our light first. Because as the church, we're not called the illuminate everywhere. We're called to illuminate one thing. And may our kids see that one thing shining through mom and dad, grandmom and grandpa, the aunt and uncle. Let's not move the lampstand. Can we not move the lampstand so that next generation can see God, can experience God, and can understand he's the only thing. He's the most important thing. Because a hundred years from now, I said this last time I preached back in the summertime, a hundred years from now, I don't care what school you went to. I don't care where they graduated from. I don't care what job they, 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 they take or how much money they make or what kind of house they live in. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is a person's relationship Jesus Christ. Let's not move the lampstand. And so this morning, be intentional about keeping the lampstand where it belongs. We're going to spend some time stepping back hitting the pause button and refocusing before we head out this year into the busyness 
of doing good. I, please hear me. The things that we've done as a church, the things that we're doing as individuals, amazing. And God doesn't want us to stop. But he also doesn't want us to forget why we're doing them. And so this morning, we're going to take communion. And there's two stations on either side, here and over there. And these guys are just going to continue to play low, soft, and give you an opportunity to hit the pause button for a few minutes and reconnect with him. And let him just stir in your hearts and let him show you where you need to be shining your light. Those that are up in the balcony, there's no station up there. We're going to invite that you guys come downstairs and, and take of the communion here. If there's somebody that is in your vicinity that you're sitting next to that you know would have trouble coming up to the table or it's just somebody you would like to serve, there are additional plates up here if you want to grab a cup and grab a body and serve them. That would be amazing as well. But this is your time your time with Jesus. Let him ignite that fire again as we start a new year. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, we counted such a joy, such a blessing that you give us the privilege of being a part of your divine strategy for this world. That we get to be that light for you, shining on you. So this way, a dark and lost and a cold world can see you. Oh, Heavenly Father, as we, as we stop and we reflect on the year that was and the year that is ahead. May we just take this bread and this cup as a reminder of our purpose in life, our purpose as a church, that it is all about you. May we never lose our first love. In your name, we pray.